John and Elijah, you see my sermon title there? You ever a song of that title? No? They've been watching with their mom, uh, the masked, masked singer. And uh, they have various songs on there. I think this one, as I look back, <clears throat> this was one of those power ballads from the 80s, the mid-80s. 1984, it was released by a foreigner. I want to know what love is. I was trying to make an allusion to that. Uh, that's the only part of the whole song I know, so it, it, I'm limited. <laughs> Ultimately, though, every time we gather, we are maybe not uh, specifically answering that question or looking into that inquiry, but... When we gather, we can't help but have love be something of, a, of an underpinning of our focus. In John 15, well, we'll read in just a moment, it is the focus. So this morning, we're going to be a little bit more intentional in regard to our uh, focus on what is it that love truly is. This, of course, is part of Jesus' final discourse to his disciples, a very lengthy portion of John's gospel. This is what he says in verses 12 through 17, the words of Jesus to his disciples, both there in that upper room and to us today as his disciples. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. I want us to consider just three questions this morning. While trying to remain relatively practical and not as much philosophical. Where does love come from? C.S. Lewis, great British theologian and author, of course, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia series, but also a deep thinker in regard to the ways of God. He, in review of the Greek words used for love in the Bible, attempted to make a distinction between what he called need love and gift love. He said that need love represented love toward another due to the way they somehow meet the needs of the giver of love. So someone has something or can provide me something or some sort of uh, 
of uh, emotion, meet some sort of emotional need. And so I love them, Lewis said, ultimately as in an attempt to have my needs met. Right? I think that would be essentially the opposite of altruism. <laughs> he said the converse of that is gift love. With the goal being not what I can get from someone else, but instead to enrich or enhance the person that I am extending love to. So rather than need love, me trying to get something from someone else, using my love toward them in order to enrich or enhance myself, that's need love, or that's a need love in Lewis' definition. Gift love is me giving. He said, gift love moves out to bless and to increase rather than to acquire or diminish. He continued that this is what God's love is all about. God's love, he said, is gift love, not need love. It lies at the core of that Greek word that we're hopefully somewhat familiar with, agape love, giving love. He went on to ask whether humans are actually capable of agape love. He concluded that with the help of God, we are. We must go to the source of love, though, in order to first experience agape love from God, that giving love, that enrichment of ourselves without benefit for or to the giver of love. Experience that and then he thought we could begin to extend that love to other people. Even in this passage this morning, Jesus, in encouraging the disciples to love, said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Where does love come from? Well, surprise, surprise, it comes from God. What does love look like? Or maybe you should just let the picture speak for itself. As the saying goes, a picture says a thousand words, but I'll add a couple dozen. It looks like an innocent man who takes a cross upon his shoulder so that you and I might be free from the power of sin and death. It looks like a man hanging on a cruel cross simply and solely because of his love for us. We can't meet any of God's needs. We can't fulfill on our own God's commands. But God's nature is to give love. There's many stories that attempt to convey what that may look like in something of a more human setting. Here's one. There was a young man who was a soldier. As he served War broke out, and he was being sent overseas for a year. The week before he left, he knelt on his knee and asked the lady that he had grown to love if she would marry him. She wiped a tear and said yes, and they were engaged, knowing that their wedding ceremony would not occur until he returned. 
But tragedy struck. A few days after he left for war, his fiancée was in a major car accident, suffered a brain injury, and the part of her brain that controlled her facial muscles was damaged. And so this beautiful young girl would never look the same again. Her once lovely face, the author of this story wrote, was disfigured. She looked at herself in the mirror for the first time and she began to cry and she said, Yesterday I was beautiful, today I'm a monster. Her body was covered with the wounds of the crash. She decided that there was no way, based on the way that she had changed, even in her appearance, that her fiancé would want to continue with their plan to marry. For one year, the soldier wrote many letters back home. She didn't answer a single one. He called her many times, but she wouldn't return his calls. And after a year, her mother walked into her bedroom and said, he's back from the war. And the girl responded, please don't tell him about me. Don't tell him I'm here. Her mother said, he's getting married. And, he ha- and she handed her daughter a wedding invitation. The girl's heart sank. She still loved him, but she had to forget him now. It was with great sadness that she opened the invitation. And there she saw her name as the bride. That was when the young man entered her room and with a bouquet of flowers, he knelt beside her and asked again, will you marry me? She covered her face with her hands and she said, I am so ugly. The recently returned soldier said, even though she didn't have your permission, your mother has been sending me photos. When I saw your photos, I realized that nothing has changed. You are still the person I fell in love with. You are still as beautiful as ever because I love you. The author of that story concluded by saying, God's love is such that we cannot make ourselves so ugly that God will not love us. Love looks like a man laying down his life for his friends. Not because of what his friends can do for him, but simply because he loves them and us so much. So this sort of love we know where it comes from, we know what it looks like. We ask ourselves, what does such love require from us? We are here to love others as he has loved us. Not because of anything that can be done for us, but because of what Christ has done for us. That verse 13 of John 14, greater love has no one than this, that he laid on his life for his friends. I will probably for the rest of my life associate it 
with that guy right there. I may have told you about this. This happened, this event I'm going to describe happened right before we shut down for 10 weeks. In February of 2020, February 18th of 2020, I was at work at Farmers, and I received a note on my phone that there had been an accident involving a pedestrian at 54th and Leavenworth Road. And I don't remember exactly what it said. It was a news uh, alert. And I thought, my kids go to school at 54th and Leavenworth Road. Christ the King Parish School. I thought, I know the crossing guard at 54th and Leavenworth Road. His name is Bob Nill. That name may be familiar. Neil Brothers Sports. That, he was one of the Neil Brothers, longtime residents of Kansas City, Kansas. He was a man that I first met when I was just about a grade school kid. At the YMCA, I'd go with my dad, and his friend Bob was there. But he, Bob, was working as a crossing guard at Christ the King School, where my kids then and now attend. He'd worked there as of February of 2020 for five years. He's 88 years old. It kept him busy. He loved people. So he got to greet the kids who walked, who lived nearby. Stay in contact, stay busy, have something every morning that he was expected to do. Mr. Bob is what he went by. He loved the kids, and the kids loved him. Sadly, on that mid-February morning, doing his job as a crossing guard, he saw a vehicle coming eastbound on Leavenworth Road. The sun shining right in their eyes. They were driving too fast. He also saw a pair of brothers who were attempting to cross Leavenworth Road, one of whom is in Jonah's class. They were just on their way to school as they had been multiple times that school year and multiple times since they began as young boys at Christ the King. He made sure his priority was to make sure that they retreated back, that they stopped and got out of the roadway because he saw the car coming. Unfortunately, the glare of the sun and maybe other distractions prevented the driver from seeing Mr. Bob was still in the road. Tragedy struck, and the car hit him. His injuries proved fatal. It was about a week later that I was honored to be part of a very unique, very ecumenical, it's a big word that means different churches getting together, <laughs> a very ecumenical service at Christ the King. The priest, Father Nick Blaha, was extremely gracious. My dad, who had known Bob for, gosh, by then, 30 years. My dad was really the one who officiated the majority. I read scripture. I gave a few remarks. I may have even read this verse. <coughs> As the service ended, Father Nick highlighted the similarity between this verse from John. In fact, I think they had kind of a poster uh, cloth uh, uh, 
banner up in the front with this verse on it, his picture. He highlighted the similarity between this verse from John and the actions of Mr. Bob that day. A very literal willingness to lay down his life for these boys. With his closing words, he asked that the young men whose lives were saved that day by Bob stand. They were about two-thirds of the way back on the right-hand side, and these two boys at that point uh, like third grade and sixth grade stood up. Their parents stood next to them. Their grandparents stood up as well. In the front pew there on the left, the Neal family sat. Bob had three sons. They, with their wives and families, were there. And in a very emotional moment, the Neal family, Good. And they turned around and they clapped for the boys. Soon all those gathered joined them. We celebrated a noble sacrifice, as we should have. The greatest expression of love is sacrifice. In this passage from John, Jesus' discourse is nearing its end. But his sacrifice, the sacrifice that God, before time and eternity, had ordained, the sacrifice that no doubt was on the mind of the Father as Jesus arrived in the manger in Bethlehem, the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph maybe began to Hope they didn't fully grasp as Jesus was a young boy. The sacrifice that Jesus knew he was putting into more uh, uh, certain motion as he called his disciples. The seaside in Galilee. The sacrifice, the fire of the sacrifice that Jesus was stoking as he came into conflict with the Pharisees. The sacrifice became more sure as his popularity grew, as he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. Jesus knew that the sacrifice loomed directly before him. I want to be sensitive here and careful in how I say this. The sacrifice that Bob made for those boys, like I said, it was a Tremendous, tremendous thing. Those were good kids. In fact, I'm, I've, I've, met, I've met them both. They're good kids. When Jesus looked at us and me, he didn't see a good kid. He didn't see someone who, quote unquote, deserved the sacrifice. He didn't even really see a friend. He saw someone in need who could offer nothing in return. But because at his very nature, God is a God of love, the sacrifice would be made. Where does love come from? It comes from God alone. What does it look like? 
It looks like a man hanging on a cross on our behalf. What does such love require in response? It requires us to look around at others who are in need of God's love and to give it to them. Not asking what they can do for us, but remembering instead what Christ has done for us. As Jesus said to his disciples, he says to us today, this is my command, love one another. Amen. As we conclude our service here this morning, we're going to sing two verses of the great hymn, Draw Me Nearer. I'd invite you, if you're able, to stand together as we commit ourselves to following the Lord, loving as Jesus has loved.